Before we get into today's show, uh, we want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company. Um, Hassle Cattle Company makes... Yeah, Dre. Oh, yeah. If you want to cut in with that, how about you cut in with uh, some more information about a certain two-year-old who has oh, an affinity for Hassle Cattle Company beef? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so we have the New York strips on Christmas Day at, with my grandpa, who's, you know, a steak and potato aficionado. It was amazing. I mean, their New York strips are out of this world. And my two-year-old daughter was gobbling up this steak. Like, she had a half steak <laughs> herself, which was lovely to see. You know, she enjoyed the yummy food we had on Christmas, and it's a great thing. But this has now ruined her for all other protein, because even when we're trying to have the delicious hassle burgers, which are still wagyu beef and like mm -hmm. outstanding um she was like no I want steak so yeah now our child is extra spoiled as far as protein because this hassle steak is just too good and luckily we have this amazing deal for dmvr subscribers so we can go back to the well have it delivered to our house be nice and safe about it it's delicious it's at an insane price for the quality of these steaks which are like the best you can get um but yeah man it's uh it's been quite the revelation since christmas in my household i'm losing a bunch of money gambling and my daughter is now addicted to new york strip steaks um from Hassel wagyu Cattle. so uh, wagyu yeah. should throw the wagyu strip steaks in yeah. there yeah wagyu. yep wagyu yeah. new york strips yeah i was kind of worried about the same thing happening to me like like having that sort of meat never being able to go back and then I looked mm -hmm. and I realized that it really isn't that expensive. And, and there are some awesome deals, some big boxes, too. They'll get you set up with a whole bunch of different types of meat from Hassle Cattle Company. Um, they're the official steak of the World Food Championships. Uh, they've provided 850 ribeyes for the shed steak cook-off. Um, there's a whole bunch of awesome things that you guys should know about uh, Hassle Cattle Company, but mostly that a whole bunch of people who know their stuff about steak have decided that that's the place to go. So go to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L -L, CattleCompany.com. Use the promo code DMVR10 for 10% off your order, and that's code DMVR10 for 10% off. And uh, any orders over $200 will give you free shipping. So check them out. We promise you won't be disappointed. Insane deal. Good stuff, Henry. We are the Draft Podcast Special Monday Edition, brought to you, as always, by our good friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, you'll want to stay tuned to the rest of the podcast as we'll have some picks and we'll talk about some of the special promos those guys have for the national championship. So stay tuned. I forget if that's the second or third intermission, but we'll get into a little more of that. Today, though, we have our special draft episode because we have the Natty tonight. There are a gajillion things to be watching for, even if you're just an impartial NFL or Broncos fan tuning into this game. And we are going to get into all of that. It's also been a minute because we've had so much to talk about since we've actually been able to dig our teeth into a mock draft that and other notes from the draft world the nfl world the college football world coming at you nice and quick i'm andre simone as always joined by henry chisholm jake schwanitz justin michael fellas 
How are we doing, Justin? Your team in play tonight. How are you feeling, my man? I'm nervous, dude. Ohio State as an underdog is like the most dangerous team in the college football playoff. No. I don't know. I just, it feels like there's maybe too much confidence around Alabama right now. And I'm, you know, as Alabama as it gets, and maybe this is me just trying to emotionally prepare myself for the possibility of an upset. But I don't know, man, that Ohio State offense, if they get rolling, it's going to be interesting. The the great counter, though, is, you know, Nick Saban, one of the brilliant defensive masterminds of basically ever, I guess I would say, basically came up with, you know, patch zones. So I think he's going to I think he's going to be able to figure it out. I think Bama takes it done. But, man, I'm really excited for this game. Yeah, this is a great one. Um, great one in the trenches on offense. Some of the better offensive teams we've seen. Um in a while in college football and uh i'm really excited because you know bama just won the award for best o-line in the country but they don't have landon dickerson the uh, phenomenal center fsu transfer uh who got hurt in the sec championship that absence hasn't really mattered to this point but now where the margins are slimmer and Ohio State, on the other hand, they they had Josh Myers, their center, dealing with COVID, so he didn't play for a couple of games. Josh Myers, Wyatt David, that whole line's been back at it. That's no coincidence that Trey Sermon and those guys have just been mauling people since they've been at full strength. So I really think that's where this game starts, in the trenches. Um and I mean, there are tons of prospects that could interest the Broncos in those trenches. I really wonder who has the advantage here. And that comes down to the defensive lines. I don't know. I don't know if it's Christian Bermore, that Bama front seven, or if uh, maybe it's Ohio State. How do you guys see this, though? What do you guys think the key matchups are in this one? I like what you said about the trenches, but I think it's going to come down to the quarterbacks here as well. Uh, yeah. Justin Fields, we saw how he elevated his stock in the, uh, I think, Sugar Bowl it was, whatever it was, the playoff game against Clemson. Um, I think another jump could be made if either of these guys, Mac Jones or Justin Fields, has a fantastic game. Yeah, And I think we both all expect this to be high scoring, right? I mean, neither of these defenses were impressive all year. So who can dig deep and really kind of get those stops when they need them to, uh, tonight? That's really what I'm looking for. Guys, I think the under is going to hit. Way so. too what? much, way too much money on the over. Way too much. I'm fading the public on that one. Smart man. Hmm. It, it it might bite me. Like it might be one of those deals where it's like both teams score 30 points and at halftime it's like, all right, I already lost. And if that's the case, I can live with it. I'm I'm just saying, man. Saban, like, yeah, the defense hasn't been great, but if there's anybody that I can count on to, you know, not give up 30 points, it's him. The uh, numbers around 74, which is where it was for that SEC championship game that we got burnt on. And they the blew first... it out of the water. So, again, yeah. like, <laughs> I hope you guys have been fading me all fall because you guys will have made a lot of money if you just don't listen to my advice. So, you know, at that point, maybe you should just take the over. It just it feels like a trap. I could see that. Dre, I need your advice on this one because I don't want to be sucked in. Is this cheese? I don't even know anymore. I mean, I've been saying this for the last two primetime matchups for Bama is like, oh, give Saban this long to prepare and the under's going to hit. They're not going to get blown out. Hasn't been the case. Patrick Sertain's shut down one side of the field. Hasn't mattered. Uh, it's still points galore. So I really don't know. Um, 
I could see both these teams, though, go into a bit more of a ground control approach um, and that kind of shortening the possessions. And that's how you get to the under. I'm intrigued by what Justin's saying. I just have that's been my reasoning for a month and it's just not happening with Bama. I just I don't know. This has been such an odd season of football. Football football shouldn't be like played with such little preparation, but we are because this is where we're at in the world. And it's been a bit of a different product. So I'm trying to adjust, but I'm also trying not to outsmart myself, which has been my real pit. This really might be a situation that where I'm just overthinking it. You know what I mean? Like Ohio State's offense is good. Alabama's offense is good. Neither defense is good. So points will probably be scored. It's just one of those things on principle. I have a hard time taking, you know, spread north of 70 points for over under. It's like, it's just a lot of points to guarantee yourself. It's insane. I mean, Hank, you've been saying this for a couple of years now. All football has just become big 12 football. And it's like we saw in a 70 point wild card game to end the slate yesterday. Um, 80 points actually 80 combined between and the winning Browns team didn't have their head coach <laughs> insane Um, and we're seeing it you know these these big blue blood programs that you've talked about it for a while that's just become big 12 football too Um, and speaking of big 12 football we've got some amazing matchups on the outside not just on the trenches so what are you looking at Hank Um, I'm glad you brought that up you know to me there are a lot of big matchups in this game, but one of the biggest is going to be Patrick Sertan against Chris Olave. I think that that maybe more than anything could decide this game just because I think mm-hmm. that there are stalemates that you see in different areas. Like I think Ohio State's going to be able to run the ball. I think Bama's going to be able to run the ball. Yeah. I think Bama's going to be able to throw the ball. And I think Ohio State's going to be able to throw the ball if they can get this win here and force the uh, tide to think about it just a little bit, to think about leaving a little bit of help on that side of the field. Um, because I mean, Chris Olave has been going off. He's, he's consistently putting up yes. like over a hundred yard games. Um, Justin yes. Fields certainly helps with that. Um, Patrick Sertan, probably the best cornerback he's going to play. I mean, he's consensus mm-hmm. first team, all American. So it's kind of tough to find anybody else. You really compare to that. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that, if, if Olave can get loose a couple of times and get up over a hundred yards, I think that that's pretty big for Ohio state. Um, and if Sertan can keep him quiet, then that's going to be probably even bigger for Bama. Where are you guys at with Chris Olave in terms of where does he rank amongst some of these elite receivers in the country? Because you see the flash, you see the athleticism. And then like some games, he just kind of disappears into the background. It- it's tough right now, man. There's just so many guys at wide receiver that we're going to see a lot of variety in top fives and top tens for wide receiver, especially this year. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see Olave on some boards at like number four or five, maybe, maybe even at 10 on other boards. It's just really, what do you want at the position? And I mean, Olave checks off a lot of boxes. So I'm not saying that, you know, he's kind of a gimmicky prospect. I think he's a solid prospect. It's just that. I mean, you have Waddle coming back tonight, potentially, too. It's just yeah. so many guys. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, he starts to enter the conversation as the fourth wide receiver in the class after Jamar Chase and the two Bama guys. But, um, you know, you, you could easily make a case for him over a Rashad Bateman or a Kadarius Tooney, a Rondell Moore, a Tylan Wallace, an Amonra St. Brown, a Terrace Marshall and vice versa. You could make arguments for those guys over Chris Olave. So yeah, a matchup like tonight is massive. I love that Hank pointed that out. Um, 
going to be fun. Like the tight ends who aren't the big name prospects in this game at all have become like important weapons for Justin Fields and that Ohio State offense. Um, and we, you know, with limited mobility, this is another of those games where Fields can really kind of put to rest on first quarterback stuff and prove that he's actually at his best when he's purely a pocket passer, which makes him so intriguing to me. Um, when we tried to figure out all these guys fits, you know, we try to like squint and imagine what they could be in the future. That really makes uh, fields interesting. Um, and then like from a Broncos perspective, let's face it, guys, we have four quarters to watch Mac Jones. And as people who follow this team, established whether or not the Alabama quarterback is worth pulling that trigger at nine because realistically fields won't be there. Trevor Lawrence definitely ain't fallen anywhere close to nine and uh, Zach Wilson ain't making it out of the top five. So you start to, you know, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, it's been a month. I've been saying, okay, you guys want to talk about quarterback. Those are the guys whose tape we need to grind so we can talk about this. Um, and now we have four quarters against Ohio State, Ryan Day, and that whole coaching staff uh, to really see. Does Mac Jones have the goods? Um, and I brought him up in the Dwayne Haskins cut week. You know, he's that profile of quarterback that scares me off. Um Just because he's a pure pocket passer, it's all about that downfield accuracy a trait that I love to have in quarterbacks, but have probably overrated in the past um, because it's great to have downfield accuracy, but you need other elements to the quarterback position because before we can get to that downfield accuracy and that really and make dime, or that in a dime will buy you a cup of coffee. As Steve Adazio likes to say, there's a lot of dudes that throw really nice footballs. They're not good quarterbacks. Exactly. You know, yep. We'll have to see like how that plays out. I do think Mac Jones, from what I've seen in the intermediate throws, a lot more impressive. A lot of the Haskin tapes, because I kind of went back and watched it because I was curious after he got cut. Like, you know, what did they see in him, you know, coming out? I was never that high on him anyways. But, you know, going back and watching, I was like, all right, like, I, I get it now. You could mm -hmm. see he made all kinds of big throws for Ohio State. They had great receivers. Yeah. So it's the same deal. It's like, is it Haskins or is it because he's in a system with all kinds of talent around him, totally. facing no pressure? Can he make those kind of throws with NFL D linemen breathing down your neck yep. in a much, you know, tighter window? We'll see. This is a this game for Mac Jones is probably as big as anyone. Maybe Patrick Sertan, I'd say, and how he handles some of those could maybe shoot himself into the like top five or six conversation, but he's firmly a, you know, a first 10, top 10, top 15 pick. So it's not like he can do that much for himself. But for Mac, I think it's one of those Huge. I can see him drop to like 20. Yeah. I could see him go in the top, you know, five. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles this chance to go down as, you know, one of the greats. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually think on the Bama side, this is a big game for a lot of these guys like Christian Barrymore, Dylan Moses. You mentioned certain uh, Mac Jones. Definitely. These are big game. Leatherwood is another guy who I think we've kind of slept on. I was rewatching the Alabama left tackle against uh, Georgia arguably the best pass rushing duo in the country, man, he handled those guys. No problem. You could get That's another guy. Or is he a sneaky yeah. choice at nine? A nine? Like, is Nine's he in that conversation? High. 
I get it, but I'm just saying, how much with can you trust game. your right tackles? Yeah, Fair. with the big Fair. game. You need it. You need it. Board's wide open at this point, too. I mean, it, I don't think anyone knows where anyone is going outside mm-hmm. of maybe the top two. So they're totally going to take somebody that disappoints the fan base. It's going to be one of those picks that makes sense, but just is not exciting in any way or form. But hey, be. get a good player and we'll be able to live with it. And I mean, you know, the NFL is going to NFL. So don't be surprised if come April, we start to hear more and more like, well, we only feel good about the guys who played last year. We don't know how much we can trust the sophomore tape on some of these opt outs. So guys who were playing in these kind of games who were on these blue blood teams are going to get elevated even more. Um, Back to Mac Jones. I think he's done a really good job this year of is it straddling that line um, yeah. between taking what the defense gives him and not not forcing big plays? You know, third and 17, he'll take a 12-yard completion. And if he can get that extra five-yard and yak, he'll take it. If he has to punt it, no problem. He knows they're good for a 50-burger every single game anyway, so he'll, he'll wait off. Um, but then when he's got those one-on-one opportunities outside, he has been clinical. He's been a surgeon. He's just carving up defenses, boom, 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 taking care of these one-on-ones deep and uh, putting out points there. So he's done a really good job of being methodical in that. Can he keep that up against Ohio State in a game where he really does need to put up 40 points? Man, that's going to be really, really fun. Um, that's not really Bama either. It's the thing, like... You know, those those deep shots, the one on ones, we're going to try and beat you over the top. I mean, Lane kind of introduced it a little bit at the end there. Yeah. But I mean, historically, that hasn't been their thing. And that's to me, the decision making is what intrigues me the most about Mac Jones. You just brought it up. You know, he'll take what the defense gives you. He doesn't, you know, pull a Drew Locke and oh, the defense is here. The linebackers mm-hmm. there. I'm going to throw it anyways and try and force it. He doesn't make those kind of plays. Yeah. But, you know, unlike a AJ McCarron or, you know, one of those other okay Bama quarterbacks not a great Bama quarterback a good one a guy that had a lot of success McCarron just kind of took you know what what you gave them all the time he didn't have that you know like yeah, I, exactly. can, I can beat this dude over the top and every now yeah. and then Mac is willing to be like all right I'm just gonna burn this dude let's oh, score oh. a touchdown real quick I think that's gonna matter for him at the next level good I think time. his arm is better than we give him credit for yeah I agree he's been impressive throwing the ball all year I mean we haven't really I haven't seen at least any throw that's particularly concerned me about his arm strength yet. Yeah, yeah. He's going to have chances though. We talked about last week, Sean Wade, how he was kind of put on notice in the Clemson game. <laughs> I mean, buckle up, buddy. You're going against Devonte Smith, the Heisman trophy winner now, and potentially Jalen Waddle. So there's going to be opportunities for Mac Jones. I, I want to go back to Mac Jones overall as a pro prospect though. And I don't want to necessarily scout the helmet, but I think we kind of have to look at Tua a bit for this situation. I mean, it's taken him a, a while to adjust the NFL game. He's definitely had his flashes, but I think Mac Jones might be in a similar circumstance. I don't necessarily think he's as quick twitched as Tua. So I don't know exactly how that translates because he is much more of a pure pocket passer, as Andre said. It's just interesting to see that even though obviously they throw with different hands and they're different in terms of mobility and some other traits, they are similar quarterbacks when you come back down to how they're executing the offense, uh, you know, distributing the ball to their targets and everything like that. That's just really how I see him. He's like, you guys have mentioned, he's just been playing really well, making the right decisions. And at the end, that's really all you can ask from your quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
Does yeah, the offensive line, impressive. does the offensive line concern you guys at all? Just given that Bama does have so many guys and so many guys who like ended up as all Americans or ended up all conference. Oh, and, and, and when you look like pro football focus, they have like, I, I think it's 16 teams better pass blocking than Bama this year. Most of them are not power five with a pocket passer. It does seem like having a great offensive line like that is, is very, very valuable. Uh, much more valuable than it is to other quarterbacks. Can't put him anywhere. That's for sure. You know, if he's in a, if he's if he's in a situation where he's running for his life, I I don't really see him being successful. I will say, mm-hmm. he's not a statue. Like it's not like he can't move. He's mm-hmm. not one of those dudes. It's more like that Big Ben type escapability of like he's can kind of just like shuffle out of the pocket a little mm-hmm. bit, and he's mm-hmm. bigger, so he's kind of hard to bring down, but. Yeah, that he, he can't end up anywhere. That to be honest, that would to an extent maybe concern me about Denver a little bit. We don't know what the right tackle situation is. Obviously, with what we saw out of Garrett Bowles, there's reason to be optimistic, but I mean it's still a small sample size. I mean, you basically had the end of the the twenty nineteen season where he played really well and then twenty twenty, which was a weird one, but I don't know, man. I I, I don't know if Mac Jones would be a great fit in Denver but I do think he's going to be a decent NFL quarterback if he ends up in the right scenario. I just pulled up the numbers just because I was curious. Um, so he grades out as a 96 like grade from pro football focus when no pressure 72 when there is pressure, the, the completion percentage falls from 80% to 58%. Yeah. Also one of his four interceptions was under pressure. I mean, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. There's a few programs like that where running backs, quarterbacks are especially hard to evaluate because of all the opportunities you have. But you also need to, you know, it's the old scouting adage of don't um, don't penalize a prospect for something that's out of their control. Uh, only grade him for what is in their control. So Mac Jones, you know, it's out of his control whether his is the best or the worst in the country. He's playing with what he's got and sort of evaluated that. You know, Hank, um, who would we have said had the best O-line in the country last year? Mm, Burrow? Any, anyone in the country that uh, you covered maybe in the conference you cover? Because I remember uh, we were big on Oregon has the best O-line in the country last Oh, of course, yeah. And then they all graduated. All of them left. And they all it's graduated crazy. or opted out um, yeah. as Penn Aiden. Or opted out, yeah. And, you know, but again, if we were knocking Herbert for that, did that really ultimately matter? Um like you know you know so it's all it all needs to be put in the right context and i loved what you were saying about you were asking about his his arm and i think that's <laughs> that's where arm talent becomes a bit of a nebulous thing because to me a big part of arm talent is deep ball accuracy right i would rather deep ball accuracy than raw arm strength like a Tyree Jackson or something, the kid coming out of Buffalo a few years ago, or Logan Thomas, who has a cannon but doesn't have deep ball accuracy, you know, um, and is now a tight end in the NFL. Um, so yeah, it's it's all in the eye of the beholder, and it's why seeing Mac Jones at the highest level on the biggest stage is going to be really really interesting. Um, and I mean, shoot, we've said this before, Jake. Like compared to Tua. 
once Mac Jones came in that bowl against Michigan, we felt like there was more of a vertical passing game to that offense, um, which is saying something because that offense with Tua was insane. Uh, definitely a massive vertical element already there. So for Mac Jones to have up the ante in that sense is really saying something. Um, so this is an exciting matchup. This is a fun game. Um, I'm bummed that there's no Landon Dickerson, but for once, that's really like the only absence in this game. We have top running backs, top wide receivers, top quarterbacks, top offensive linemen. Um, don't sleep on the left tackle from Ohio State. The um, what's his name? It's he's a weird one. Thayer Munford. Boy, he looks the part. Um, and then defensively, you know. Uh, we're going to see certain. We're going to see Sean Wade. I like the linebackers in this game. I honestly think maybe on the Ohio state side, as much as we've talked about Dylan Moses and Alabama as some guys will keep an eye on for the 2022 class at linebacker as well. But Pete Warner, tough Borland, those are guys who move really nicely and would be intriguing, like nickel defenders and maybe three down defenders down the line for a team like Denver, who's looking for more of that sideline to sideline coverage linebacker especially Pete Warner, number 20 on Ohio State's really intriguing. So, I mean, geez, we're spoiled. This is one of those, as Jake was saying, we're going to come back to and watch like nine times at minimum in the offseason. Um, so buckle up. This is the first of many viewings. It's prediction time, prediction against the spread. Um, Justin, player props now, dude. DraftKings says player props now. Did you get, Did you realize that, Hank? That's all College with the first props. touchdowns, right? Yeah, for that oh. for the playoff games, they had touchdown player props, and I didn't recognize oh. it because I was so I was so pissed. I would have been all over Devonte Smith to score a touchdown in that game. I mean, it was literally easy money. If, if you yeah, you reached out. I got in on that for the Clemson game. I had Trevor Lawrence first touchdown, cha-ching, money. Um, made some money on Trey Sermon in that one. Yeah, it was, um, if you would have scored one more, I would have made a ton of money. But hey, it, it, I think we need player props on all college games. I don't know what needs to happen to make that happen. Who we need, who we need to grease, who we need to like, you know, play, hand, hand them the handshake with a $20 bill or whatever. Hey, get this done. I want player props next fall. That's Please, the kind I, of... I'm, that's the I'm kind of talk sure. that has people scared off is college kids getting greased up exactly. so that people win first <laughs> touchdown. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that it was like a Colorado state law that, that you couldn't bet on college players for anything. It could only be games like when they allowed betting like a year ago. And so it kind of surprises me to see that that's allowed. Maybe, I'm maybe not it's sure because it's changed. not Colorado schools. I don't, it could be. Who knows? That's so a stupid law. You can get, over 69 boosted at plus 100. The actual over under is 75. I think we we like oh, that. I would take that though at plus yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. 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 And actually, maybe you take the under and you hope you can middle this. You hope we can get like to 72, 72. total. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. And you have a live boost on this. Bama's a nine point favorite. I don't know if this is cheese. They're basically begging you to take Ohio State. Ohio State's as big an upset as can happen in college football, which is to say at this level of college football, but basically in the natty, the biggest upset we've seen is Cardell Jones's Ohio State winning it. 
that's as far of an upset as we can go as Ohio State or, or LSU. You know, the, the rest of the way, it's like, eh, okay, uh, Navy couldn't quite pull it off. BYU didn't have the goods. Um, Washington couldn't quite do it. Michigan State couldn't do it. So I don't know. Am I a sucker? I guess I am, but I'm taking Ohio State. I think this is a close game. I'm taking the over 69. I'm, I'm going to try and middle this and take the under 75 as well. Um, I'm with you. I'm taking Ohio State. I they are still a bit of an unknown to me. I mean, they only yes. played seven games this year. That's crazy. And honestly, I think that's something to kind of bet on here with Ohio yeah. State. I mean, they've yeah. got so much talent. You don't even really yeah. need to see them on the field. Just look that's at true. the recruiting classes. Watch them play last year. You know who they are. Um, nine points. I mean, it's two possessions. I think this game could definitely be a one possession game for most of the game, if not at least down the stretch. So I'm just going to bet on that at least. I, I do expect this to be pretty high scoring, though. Just like we said, I don't think the secondary talent on either side is particularly great. I don't think either side has a particularly great pass rush either, which I think could be a huge problem for both teams. Um, I'm taking Ohio State in the over. There you go. Yeah, I... I've got to take Bama. I, I just don't think anybody can slow that offense down. Uh, I think that, you know, they'll probably stop mm-hmm. him from scoring on two possessions and they're going to score on all but four possessions. And that's enough to be the difference in my mind. Um, the question though, the, the reason that I'm really hesitating is just Justin Fields. Like what are we going mm-hmm. to get out of him this week? Because mm-hmm. we've seen the highs, including the high against the number two team in the country and, and that is the most recent performance we've seen from him. And I think you have to give that a lot of weight and expect to see that. But, I mean, the game before, he threw two picks and only had, a like, what, 149 total yards rushing and throwing. <sighs> before that, it was, it was a decent game. But the, exactly. And then two games before that, there's a three-pick game against Indiana. And, and it's just the highs and the lows. And I... What I am expecting now, just because you have to choose something if you're going to bet, is for him to 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 be like a 50-50. Like either it's going to work or whether it's not going to work. And that means it's 50-50 that Bama covers. And even if it does work for Justin Fields, I still think Bama has a decent chance of covering. Somebody's getting their heart broken here. That's all I know. With a nine-point spread, either somebody's going to be up about 10 to 14 and somebody's going to get a backdoor cover that day, or it's going to be the opposite. Like you're going to take Ohio state to cover. You're going to be looking golden. They're going to turn it over late and Bama's going to backdoor cover and beat them by like 11. Ah, man, that the spreads make me really nervous both ways. And being honest, yeah. I probably won't actually put money on it. So kind of lame for me to sit here and like preach about it. But if, if I was going to take one, I think I'd probably lean towards Bama mostly because of my fandom. But as I said, Ohio State's going to keep this close. Not sure we get 75 points. I do think we get 70. So the, the 60, 69 uh, plus money seems really enticing. But uh, then again, you know, I don't know. I just feel like we're in for a weird one. Like it's going to be mm-hmm. like 30 to 20 or something, something none of us saw coming. The defense is going to be way right. better. The quarterbacks aren't going to be, you know, incredible enough. It, I don't know. But I love that we're at scoring. least we have the game. Yeah, big time. At least we have the game. I love that we're split. I do like what Jake was saying. You know, seven games in, in a normal season, Ohio State, first five games, we'd be like, hmm, I'm not quite sure. And then, you know, 
it's like late October, early November, and it's like, oh, game seven. Yeah, these guys have figured some things out with the run game. Like, watch out for the Buckeyes. There's, you know, so I'm hanging 60 on Michigan and going to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's been the most unpredictable season I think we've ever had. Um, even though this seems like the playoffs went to chalk, it really has been that way. Hank, special shout out before we move on to a mock and other around the football world talk. Yes. Um, the, oh. the tabs are gone. Oh, yeah. Uh, while the uh, holiday oh. season may be over, uh, the sports calendar is in full swing this week from collegiate to professional mm. sports. There's no shortage of action and there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. If you haven't tried out DraftKings Sportsbook yet, what are you waiting for? To celebrate this year's football playoffs, DraftKings is giving all new players the chance to bet on any of this weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. That's right. All you have to do is bet $1 on any football game this weekend. And if your team wins, you cash $100. While we're all excited for football, let's not forget the 2021 basketball season is tipped off. So head to the app now to check out all of DraftKings daily odds boost. Uh, DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR when you sign up to get 100-to-1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's code DNVR for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Great deals on DraftKings. UC Davis head coach Dan Hawkins has promoted his son Cody to offensive coordinator. Wow. Wow. Nepotism never uh, never goes away in college football, folks. Well, that type of football, yeah. And, and those too. Hawkins, I mean, that Hawkin fam. Uh, <laughs> uh, people in this region know all about that. Those were some rough years for uh, Power 5 college football fans in this state. Draft? Mock draft? A little mock Let's draft to close this out? Um, it's been a minute. Did we do this last week? No, we talked no. about options, but we didn't go through it. So obviously Trevor Lawrence at one interesting how the Jags uh, seems like urban Meyer could really be happening. That's massive. That's, that's huge. crazy to me. Just given that yeah. with what we've heard about the control and the owner wanting roster decisions like that's, but you know, if they throw, you know, 12 or $15 million a year yeah. at urban Meyer, then shit, I do that too. Yeah. It's crazy to me for different circumstances. I mean, I just can't believe I don't I don't want to sound like a Michigan homer here, but I can't believe that Urban Meyer is still getting head coaching looks after yeah. everything he's allowed at everywhere else he's been. And now he's basically getting a glorified promotion to the NFL. It's just crazy, man. He wins, well, man. He wins. And that's all people care about. But you're right. You're you're absolutely right. And that's something that I brought up when uh, Urban Meyer was tied to the CSU coaching search. And it's just like, mm-hmm. why? uh why do we want his input? Yes, he knows a lot about football, but he doesn't know much about integrity. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big Urban Meyer guy. He seems to be one of those holier than thou, always has something to say about everybody else, conveniently doesn't have much to say about his own transgressions. But I, I do think he would have success in the NFL. I will say that. And I do yeah. think the NFL is a better fit for him than college at this point. Agreed. You know, with those things going on like yeah. that. 
exactly. The NFL is a business and everybody there understands mm-hmm. it's a business. And having spoken with Carl Durrell so many times since he got hired after spending what I think it would have been Almost 13 years. So 12, the NFL. Yeah, no. 12 of the Over. last 13 years in the NFL, like him coming to college football, he's like, yeah, it is really weird. Just like how the, the relationships is different, that kind of stuff. Uh, and for Urban Meyer, that seems like a much better route. Right. Cause then the buck doesn't stop with him on those bigger, you know, decisions with player conduct, coach conduct, stuff like that, um, which is really what he needs. He gets a little too close to that stuff and that gets him in massive trouble. So maybe the program, a pro game would suit him more, but yeah, uh, does you do wonder who will be the loudest voice in that room um, with the, you know, con both cons in there and uh urban who definitely he's not taking a job if he doesn't have the ultimate say on anything urban sure shoot he's worked in it's been like 20 years he's worked in football where he's the the buck stops here guy um like so you don't just relinquish that control if you're urban meyer to some guy like Sashi Khan, especially when your legacy depends upon it. I mean, Absolutely. like you don't want to be one of those guys that you know. You, I mean, Nick Saban. I love Nick Saban, but the Miami Dolphins yeah. tenure, you know, you know, that's something that he'll never live down unless 100%. he goes back to the pros and redeems himself. Which mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not convinced he wouldn't try at this point, just because he's mm. competitive. And I also think Nick realizes probably it doesn't really get any better than where he's at and why give that up at this stage of his life. Yeah, so. he's old too. Nick's yeah. 50 years into his dynasty mode. I don't think he's ready to <laughs> yeah. restart, you know, <laughs> restart with a Madden game. I don't know. He's like, oh, I hate that draft stuff. The recruiting is so much better. Um, Can I go back which, to hey, Urban real quick? Uh, just, I mean, to actually talk football, it's going to be interesting <laughs> how – he yes. actually kind of builds his offense, I think, because he's been a big spread guy, obviously, yep. over the last, I don't know, 15, 10 at least years. Absolutely. So we've kind of seen the NFL adopt some more spread stuff. Oh, yeah. But it's impossible to run a pure spread offense. So I'm really interested to see if he is the Jags head coach, how that offense looks, uh, specifically the running game. I want to see how much read and stuff he actually puts in. Cause it was all based off that Ohio state still is frankly. Um, so I just, I'd be very interested to see how he adjusts to the NFL and the situation in uh, the NFL. I'll say this. The NFL has been pining for a guy like Lincoln Riley, as far as play callers. And like, I mean, you called it last week and then all the news came out that Joe, Joe Brady, yeah. did I get yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. Is getting interviews left and right. I mean, with all res- due respect to Lincoln Riley and Joe Brady, urban Meyer, a bit of a different strata. You know who I'd call if Urban says no to me, Gus. Gus, I've got you, buddy. Uh, I'm giving you like, I've got 50 jobs in the country for Gus. He, he's my guy. <laughs> Love you, Gus. Could get um, for about a fifth of the cost, too. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so anyways, Trevor Lawrence, even if it's Urban Meyer, we're not even entertaining Justin Fields. Get that out of here. Anyone trying to say, oh, they're looking at Ryan Dare, Urban Meyer, it might mean in the fields. Nope. Trevor Lawrence all the way. Not even a debate. At the second pick, though, where we don't know who the head coach will be for the New York Jets. And there's still a very young quarterback in Sam Darnold. Um, 
it does become a more interesting conversation, especially because they already have Mikai Becton, who they drafted last year and when he was healthy and played looked well. So I don't know that Penny Sewell is a massive target. Um, Jets, what direction are we going in here? We're sticking a quarterback, I assume. I think you'd have to, right? Unless yeah. you maybe go all in on Darnold one more time and get a pass catcher or someone. But I don't think that too, that'd be the spot. I can yeah. only guess a new head coach wants their own quarterback and their Has own to. guy. Yeah. yeah. And Hank, this makes for an interesting offseason where not only is it a top 10 full of teams looking for quarterbacks, you're going to have a lot of reclamation projects <laughs> like Darnold, like maybe Drew Locke available through trade. And you're going to have a ton of veterans available for trade. There's already reports Matt Ryan will be available. Um, Matthew Stafford could very easily be available. So it's going to be, it's just every off season, we seem to have more options at quarterback. There's just more talent at the position than ever. Um, so we've got these kind of middle-class options here, but uh, Fields or Wilson here. Wow. Um, I think uh, it's, it depends on what happens tonight, honestly. Like, I'm still just firmly on the fence, and I decided that after we saw what Justin Fields did last time, it was a tie in my book, and it was going to be a tie until we see him again. Um, if I had to pick one right now, I think it is Zach Wilson. I think that you just see the tools that he has and the arm that he has, mm -hmm. and, and that's just so hard to pass up. You know, unless Justin Fields throws six touchdowns again today, in which case – you've seen him do it at the highest level so many times and then it's feels to me, but yeah, just to talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the, the talent in the league, things are changing. And I think that yeah. some of those really big contracts that quarterbacks were getting, maybe that's something that starts to go away. Maybe we were kind of in an mm. era where things inflated and inflated and inflated. And now it's just going to kind of stay around that 40 million mark. You're not going to pay much more than that per year because there is so much talent and, and there's a change. Somewhere in this quarterback market, there's going to be a change. I think that's what the change is going to be with all these young guys coming in. But who's to say? It's it's also weird, though, that you look at the four quarterbacks alive in the NFL playoffs with uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield on the AFC side. And then on the NFC side, you have Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I think there's there's one young guy. Who's Who's the other team that's still in there? Oh, man, I can't figure oh, out who yeah, I'm even missing. Football fans. Oh, this uh, is a great Russell Wilson fan. lost, so it's Jared yep. Goff. Oh, Jared right, Goff. it's either Goff or yeah. And so yeah. there is that going on, and I guess that's more to say. Like the NFC is trash and totally up for grabs. Um, but <laughs> also maybe the quarterbacks are going to go away. I don't know. This has just been a long tangent of things I've been thinking a lot about. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll go Zach Wilson. <laughs> I agree. I'm going to go Zach Wilson. Also, I've had him above fields basically since, I don't know, October at this point, and I'm going to keep it that way at least mm -hmm. until the season ends and we need a chance to go back. Um, I do. I made this point on here already before, though. I don't know if the Jets would be looking at Wilson in particular just because I mean, he plays the game differently from Darnold, but at their core, they're basically yeah. the same prospect, right? Yeah. I mean, they're improvisational guys that, you know, can make stuff happen downfield after mm -hmm. the play's already broken down. Do you want to take another chance on a guy like that? Or do you want to go for someone like Fields who has actually played well in structure, 
you know, yeah. he really kind of is the system at Ohio State in that spread attack. He makes he's the guy that makes the engine run. Um, Justin, what do you got? Don't overestimate or don't underestimate, I guess I should say, the politics of the Jets being in New York City. Hmm. Are they gonna take that BYU guy? He's all the way on the other side of the country. Good point. Yeah. Like that stuff shouldn't matter as much as it does, but it's the Jets and it's New York City. And you have the face of the Big Ten, Justin Fields, playing in a national championship. You had a chance to get Trevor Lawrence. You blew it. I still think Gase won that game knowing he would be out and was just like, screw you guys. You guys aren't getting the number one pick. If so, best troll job by a coach of all time. The greatest middle finger, you know, take this job and shove it. I've ever seen. I don't know if that's the case. They might just have been bad coaches and blew it. But I don't know, man. Justin Fields, if he plays well, I just have a hard time seeing the Jets pass on him, even though I agree with both of you, and I think Zach Wilson is the better quarterback of those two guys. And um, Jets kind of got to start looking ahead and like, we need a quarterback to compete with Josh Allen long-term, potentially with Tua. Who knows what the Patriots have in store. So there's a little pressure to get this right. Um, you can't blow two top three picks on two different quarterbacks in a three-year span. That'll well, really mean, set you back big time. Worst case scenario, they're right back I mean, there again. I have a feeling yeah, like the Jets, <laughs> like like the Browns, it's right. like they the Jets will be at the bottom of that division until mm-hmm. everything goes perfectly. Like basically what happened with the Browns. Yeah, and I mean, they've blown other top 10 picks in Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams as well. So uh, you're not wrong. But I think we're I'm, going yeah. with Wilson here. Um, and that brings us to the third pick, which I think is a guarantee to be trade traded at the, uh, the Miami Dolphins at three. The most interesting trade, of course, is this recent report that uh, would make some sense for both teams to me of the Texans and Dolphins swapping the picks they'd already swapped, including Tua and Deshaun Watson coming back to Miami. Who knows if that's on the table at all? I don't think that's really even out there right now, but could be would make some decent sense for both teams as far as these trades are concerned. Um, so in general, I don't think the Dolphins will be picking out this pick, but just for the sake of it, we'll have them pick here so we can keep things moving. Um, they did draft two offensive tackles that have started for them this year in um, our guy Austin Jackson from USC and Robert Hunt from Louisiana. Um, Hunt, you could move inside if you wanted to go Penny Sewell here. A wide receiver would make a lot of sense since you could upgrade to Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Um, and again, it doesn't really even matter because I'm almost certain this pick will be traded and the third quarterback or Penny Sewell will be drafted here by another team. But if the Dolphins were to stay here, what direction would you go, Hank? I'd go Penny Sewell. I think that he was just so good. Uh, and, and, all through this process, we've been saying, you know, Penny Sewell, he's, he's generational talent. And it, and it does seem like because he didn't play this year, his, his stock has kind of tapered off just a little bit. But then you remember, you know, he hasn't even played a game as a 20-year-old. 
He was 19 and, and a lock to be a top two pick because we thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be the guy in front of him. I don't think anything's changed. I think that the first non-quarterback going off the board should certainly still be Penny Sewell. And I think that even if you've seen two good young tackles, like you said, Robert Hunt, when he was coming out, I did think he was more of a guard. Oh yeah. You push him into guard after he's a good tackle, that's going to work mm-hmm. well. You add Penny Sewell with the other pieces you have, You Mm -hmm. start to say this could be a great young core for an offensive line, which is what you want for a young quarterback. Plus, like, yeah, it would be great to go get Jamar Chase. There are going to be so many good receivers. Mm -hmm. You have so many picks if you're the Dolphins. You don't need to be going after one of these top guys when you know that you're going to have your option just about anybody other than Chase, Smith, and Waddle when they pick again at like 15, 16, 17, wherever that is. And I think that that's the way to go. I love the trade down for them because then you can add more wide receivers, more running backs, two really deep classes. It tackles a deep class too in this draft, so work out well. But yeah, I see your reasoning with Sewell. Justin, Jake, any disagreements? I mean, I think that you can go a variety of ways here. I mean, for sure. I'm not impressed by the wide receiver talent they have. I We've, yeah, we've connected Devontae Smith to Tua for a while. Yeah. I still think that's intriguing just because of the foundation that's already laid mm-hmm. from that relationship. I am intrigued by Penny Sewell though, because that offensive line, I don't think was very impressive at all. Nope. Um, so I'm fine with the Penny Sewell pick. They're building an in the trenches program too. You see how that defense yeah. was coming along, uh, matching that on the offensive side with someone like Sewell. It makes sense though. Again, we're just having fun here because uh, 90% sure this pick won't be the Dolphins pick when it's all said and done. So Justin, do you want to make a counter case or we're not nah, going to trade down? I think, but you know, Sewell, if, if you're taking a player, he's the best guy available. Yeah. It's one of those. Of don't sense. get cute. Absolutely. So we've had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson and Penny Sewell as our first three picks. That brings us to the dirty birds in Hotlanta who are open to trading Julio. They're open to trading Matt Ryan. They're looking for a new coach. They're looking for a new GM. Um, Justin Fields just seems to make a ton of sense here as kind of starting a new era. Local kid. Didn't work out with the dogs, but he sure made good on all the, all the, you know, recruiting hype that he had with Ohio state. And now he can be a top five pick. For the Falcons, I think they'd kind of be doing like, I mean, they should be ecstatic of this pick, especially if you had like a young, modern offensive play caller as their head coach, maybe a Joe Barry, someone like that. Pairing with Justin Fields, that'd be fun, man. That'd be fun. Joe Brady? Joe Barry? Which one is it? Brady. 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 Oh, why do you guys even let me talk? So um, <laughs> Justin Fields is the one. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah, he's at four. It makes too much sense if yeah. he slides. Which, again, Atlanta might have to make a move at that third pick just to ensure that they can get Fields or their uh, top choice of the quarterbacks. That brings us to the fifth pick where the draft really starts. In some order or another, I expect these to be the first players, first four players off the board top three quarterbacks and the top offensive tackle. Then the draft commences with the Bengals at five best player available. I think for most of us would be a wide receiver, but they have T Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. We'll see what they do with AJ green. They've spent a top 10 pick on a wide receiver and John Ross. It hasn't even mattered that he hasn't worked out. 
They have Joe Burrow. The essential thing with Joe Burrow is protecting him on the yellow line, not adding more options. And they're in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot because Penny Sewell was just taken. Um, what if they trade up to three? Totally. Total candidate to trade up to three. Because, you know, that's a Jonah Williams and Penny Sewell. All of a sudden, that O-line looks nice. All of a sudden, you can compete with the Browns. You can compete with the Steelers. Uh, in that, you know, the Ravens in the AFC North, you have an identity that can match those guys on the O-line and in the trenches. Make a lot of sense. But without Penny Sewell, it's a bit of a mess. Uh, do you reach on an offensive lineman? Do you go corner, which is like the Marvin Lewis special for the Bengals or tight end. And you go say, a bit of a luxury pick. Yep. yep. I think Kyle Pitts would be a nice fit here. I think it would make them versatile in terms of personnel. Mm-hmm. I also think you kind of, I, we haven't really, I haven't really gone back and studied his, you know, blocking, but obviously that's secondary to his talent. Yes. Um, I just think Pitts is someone that, I mean, he's kind of a wild card, man. I could see him going this high, but I could also see him kind of dropping out of the top 10 altogether. Uh, That's just kind of what happens when you're a tight end, man. It's just not that valuable position. It's just how it works out sometimes. Even though he is probably one of the best, I don't know, seven, eight football players in this draft, uh, just based on talent alone. Are we sure it's not that valuable in the modern game, though, when we look at offenses, Mm. like with what Kansas City is able to do with Kelsey and what... Mm. You know, Kittle and some of these. I guess the mm-hmm. Niners didn't have a lot of team success. So, what did Kittle really bring to that? But both guys late round picks, too. though. Fair, true, definitely fair. You can find value at that position. Is the thing, like, yeah. I mean, I look at a guy like Trey McBride, who's going back to CSU next year. But it's one of those where it's like that dude's going to be a legit NFL starter, yeah. and you could get him in like the third or fourth round. So yeah. it's just. You know, do you take do you take somebody at five here when you're really trying to rebuild? You have the quarterback, but oh man, it's enticing. I get where you're coming from, Burrow and hitting him oh, across yeah. the middle and oh. Yeah, and you have a receiving back and shoot Bernard. I mean, man, adding pits to that, that'd be quite the element. But you still can't protect him. And like if you can't protect Burrow, all of this is moot. It's a deep tackle class though. Could sure. you get Darisaw? Could you get uh, you know Elijah Vera Tucker to drop to you? Could you get an Alex Leatherwood to drop to you? Samuel Cosme, the Notre Dame kid. These guys could be around uh, in round two. You know, I don't know. I they guess the, uh, the issue with uh, Dunlap earlier too. I think Edge is a real possibility in this mm-hmm. pick. Also, I'm not really impressed by their current line of a pass rusher so you can get your choice of pay or Russo here as well pretty enticing the old school Bengals would have been all over Russo those like long edges were their bread and butter back in the day um but you know it's not that's not the same team which is why I could really see the Zach Taylor Bengals go Kyle Pitts uh Hank you haven't said anything on this pick what would you I could really see a trade down you know if if I'm the Bengals and you understand like I think I think there are really two schools of thought, and some people would say, well, why would you do that? You have Joe Burrow. You're not going to have too many opportunities to pick in the top five again, like maybe none. And I would say, well, you also don't have the opportunity to trade down from number five, pick up number 10, and grab another first while you're at it. And, and I think that when you look through here and say, I think Micah Parsons would be a very good pick. I think Jamar Chase would be a very good pick. Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddle, Quiddy Pay, like all these guys you could talk yourself into. And when that's the situation – 
And at least to me, I see this as a situation where pretty much all those guys are interchangeable. Why not just say, we'll take the draft capital and, and hopefully the Bengals are sitting there with one of the four who we have gone also sitting there. Um, Field, Sewell, Zach Wilson, one of those three is still available. Somebody will pay too much to get them. Um, but if you're saying of the guys on the board, Ugh. Or you create I, some I, urgency for Mac Jones or a Trey Lance because, yeah. hey, the top four guys are gone. I need to jump the line to ensure I can get that fourth dude. Um, I was going to say, definitely. especially if one of the top three quarterbacks fall, this is a primary trade-up position. Awesome. And would just be great for the Bengals to take advantage of. Yep. But this and is a great point is the draft is very clear in the first four picks, and it is wide the F open after the top four guys, because it, as you're illustrating, Hank, you could go a variety of ways. Some of the names you listed off might not even go in the first um, yeah. because it's that early. This draft is just made up of raw prospects. It's all beauty in the eye of the beholder. And it's why with that indecision, I would go with Kyle Pitts, who I think is fun, but far from a like, oh yeah, this is definitely the pick the Bengals are going to make like, no, yep. but I'd rather him than like, I don't know, reach on a Rashawn Slater or something like that. Yeah. Just versatility. Yeah. Versatility is so valuable. And there are only so many of those tight ends who provide that. I think yeah. Kyle Pitts, you can definitely not go wrong. Exactly. Exactly. And in a way he both is your tight end and a replacement for AJ green as your big outside wide receiver. And you give that kind of guy to burrow man with um, Higgins too. That's a, Pretty big receiving core, man. Mm -mm -mm. Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. And versatile because now you have Tyler Boyd, who's a nice route runner. He can play inside, outside. I, li I like the yeah. structure you have there. The question now though, we get to six. Yeah. yeah. We don't really have a lot of time, but is, is a Tyler Boyd T Higgins duo really that good? You know, like in the grand scheme of receivers, there are just so many really good receiving duos. Like I don't look at the mm -hmm. Bengals receivers and say like, oh, that's a, that's a good group. That's just an average group of guys to me. I mean, Higgins outproduced a lot of rookies this year. I yeah. mean, so it's Boy, I, it was I, I, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. I don't know if it's enough to take a chance on them for this year. So I could definitely see a receiver in this spot as well. Could yeah. be. I would just argue it's not like a super pressing need, you know? True. Six. Eagles wide receiver is a pressing need. A lot of teams have Micah Parsons. A lot of mocks have Micah Parsons here, but I think wide receiver and corner bigger needs wide receiver. They added like four last off season. So even though it didn't show totally on the field, um, that they have tried to address that with young guys. I think if you took a Patrick certain and all of a sudden you have certain and slay, instead of slay and there's a huge drop off to your CB2 that would really have like a massive um, trickle down effect on this. Um, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Certain would be my top pick for the Eagles here at six thoughts. I, you can't go wrong here. I mean, this team just needs perimeter help on both sides of the ball. I could yeah. see a case for Waddle maybe just, yes. I think that team's really lacking some speed. Yeah. Um, even though Rhaegar was promising at times, I don't think he showed enough to really be depended on as mm -hmm. that clear cut wide receiver one. So someone like Waddle would be intriguing, or maybe you just go best receiver and you get 
Chase or Smith, really, yeah. your pick of those two. Yeah. So a uh, wide receiver corner. Hank, Justin, Sertain, Waddle, another pick? I, I like corner better for the Eagles. I think that there's more valuable value with the receivers, and, and that's what makes it really tough for me at this point. Um, plus, yeah. I, I guess – None of those guys should have contracts on. I mean, it just like what do you what are you getting with these Eagles receivers? Because with Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager, Deshaun Watson, Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward Jr., John Hightower, like all those guys in two years, what do you really have? And I think that you're left with Rager and you hope that like Greg Ward or some of those guys pan out. Like they really do still need help at receiver. Maybe you just wait till the second round to start adding more. Yeah, from a value standpoint, the pick would be corner. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then you can wait for like an Olave, Rashard Bateman, Kadarius Tooney, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Tylen Wallace. There could be options. Terrace Marshall. Um, I'll also say this I think Jim Schwartz, who's a defensive coordinator who won a Super Bowl. And in retrospect, his tenure at the Lions looks like the only decent stretch the Lions have had in the past like 40 years. Won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator with Nick Foles as his quarterback. So that defense had to do a lot of heavy lifting. I don't know how Jim Schwartz isn't getting interviews. Um, I get that he, he maybe rubs people the wrong ways, but that resume looks unquestioned to me. Um, I think the Eagles should consider themselves very fortunate that in the absolute um, trash fire that that team has been at times the last couple of years, they have a DC like that. And I would give him a town second cornerback to really get that defense back to the level that he can get them at um, to compete because they've had positive stretches, but the depth that corner has just killed them time and time again. Um, Love and agree with what you said, Andre, but Jim Schwartz has taken 2021 off. That's massive. Um, And I know there's talk about Jeff Lurie is in, uh, it's not set in stone that Doug Peterson's coming back either. So there's a lot to still be figured out on this Eagles team. Um, So what did we agree on in the end? What was the consensus, fellas? Did Justin chime in? Justin, you want to vouch for you guys to retain? This is your, you, you break the tie. I think you go certain basically because of what Henry said, you can still get another receiver and help yourself later. But can you add a cornerback to certain's caliber in the second or third round? I don't think so. So to me, you've got a lot of good wide receivers in that division, not a lot of great quarterbacks, but there are a lot of good wide receivers, Mm -hmm. Terry McLaurin, everybody they've got in Dallas CD and Gallup and Amari and all those dudes. I mean, I I think if you could add somebody like certain a day one starter, a guy that immediately makes your defense better, to me, that's a no-brainer, especially where they're picking. It's just one of those, you know, you come back to, you have a top 10 pick. Don't blow it here. Add somebody that makes you better. Don't get cute. Henry, you've shown us your Broncos board. If it wasn't a Broncos board, could you rank the top three wide receivers and certain? How do those guys stack up for you? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but. That's tough. Um, it's just so hard. I wish Jamal, uh, uh, Jamar Chase, my goodness, um, yes. had uh, played this season. That would have oh, yeah. made things better. Um, yes. 
I, I think I s- will have Devontae. Sh- sh- I, I don't know what is happening. Okay? I feel like I just had like a stroke <laughs> or something. Hank just had a stroke. I'm on, I, know, I, know. I don't know what is actually happening. Like, so I'm actually Chase, Devontae you Smith. can call him just Chase. That's okay. Are you okay, talking about Devontae Smith? Devontae Smith? Devontae you... Smith? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a weird. Okay. So um, Smith one. <laughs> this is just like uh, not that's crazy um you know to me i do think that it's um yeah i I think it's number one i'm having a a, wow this is a struggle a struggle um Okay, Jamar well, show well, maybe we'll Jamar come Chase. Back to you. What the hell <laughs> yeah. is happening? Henry, I yeah, but yeah, I I think uh, oh, I'm gonna put um uh certain prob- <laughs> I swear, like I don't know what is going on, but I cannot read any of the number num- numbers. One sec, you guys take this over. Okay, yeah, we'll second. take it I'll over. Right um, back. I'm legitimate. Are you feeling lightheaded? Or are you like, I don't is your left know. arm gone numb? Okay. Um, we will move on to the Lions at seven. We took certain there. All the wide receivers are still available. And I think it could make a lot of sense to go Micah Parsons here as well. Lions, another team where we don't know what the coaching staff is yet, but adding some pass rush talent and a linebacker who can bring some versatility sideline to sideline wouldn't hurt either. So even though the value is all at wide receiver, I would go Parsons here. Yeah, I could see that argument. I mean, the makeup of this team is just completely up in the air right now, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, there's really – you can go corner here also. You got Farley. You got uh, Horn. Um, I don't know the tackle situation off the top of my head, so that's something that could also be in play. I mean, assuming Stafford stays, uh, that's yeah, really the first domino the to fall for this mm-hmm. team. So it, assuming he does stay, I think you want to give it really one more honest go with him as your franchise guy. And I think in order to show that kind of vote of confidence, wide receiver would be the pick. Um, I think Galladay is a free agent, so there's holes to be filled yeah. in that receiving core. Yeah. Again, I don't think they have enough speed, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Waddle, if he's, I've said Waddle will be the first receiver off the board, and I think that speed is exactly the reason why. So I'm going to say Waddle here. Justin? I just, and I know Detroit, and it's kind of a weird situation with Matthew Stafford. Could they maybe be in the Mac Jones conversation there? Yeah. And Trey Lance. Lance, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I can see either of those guys potentially landing in Detroit when it's all said and done. I'd like the Micah Parsons pick a lot because to me, it's the same deal. You have a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. Don't get cute at somebody that immediately makes you better. I just, with the quarterback situation being kind of a unpredictable at best, I could, I could really see them taking a risk on Trey Lance or you know, yeah. taking a flyer on Mac if he balls out tonight, something like that. I think it's also worth mentioning uh-huh. that real like lions pick here would be someone like i don't know parsons or farley that has really only just shown flashes and they just try and force them into a role that they're not like capable of yeah that's a great point but it definitely is interesting for the broncos 
you know, the fifth pick is where their hope and Penny Sewell drops or else the draft really starts. Bit of that it'd be Trey Lance, right? Yep, absolutely. If you want to go exciting, fit for this offense, kind of a kind of a little bit of a Cam Newton 2.0, you know, yeah. uh, bring that back with McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and you know, DJ Moore and Bobby Anderson, lots of speed, lots of playmaking on that offense. O line could make sense. If Parsons were to drop, he could maybe make sense, and even corner. Um, the rule, I think doesn't need that shut down outside corner. Um, so is that where we're leaning is Trey Lance? I think Jake and I, that's kind of where we're at. Also you the got more on the board. Yeah. Devontae's. I mean, boy, add him to that receiving core. Uh, um, that playmaker chase too, or um, chase, right. You counter all the, the speed. Yep. Man. That's the thing, and that's the crappy thing about this Broncos pick at nine is I've known all along the best yeah. player available on the board, the best two or three player available on the board for the Broncos pick will be a wide receiver. Um, Man, I'm so torn. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Trey Lance. Uh, Justin? I'm going Trey Lance. I, I don't go. love him, but I just think the hype is going to – keep going it's going to keep going yeah. and we're going to end up with trey lance going top 10 when it's all said and done exactly so we had um to recap trevor lawrence at one zach wilson at two penny stool at three to the dolphins so we know that won't be who's drafting justin fields at four then we had to go off the board with kyle pitts at five um my machine made the wrong pick but it was patrick certain at six to the eagles then micah parsons at seven to the lions trey lance at eight to the Carolina Panthers, and at nine, our guy Hank is back. Hank, can you pronounce names again? Are you okay? Oh, I was he's muted. muted. I think so, but that was like the okay. weirdest thing that's happened. And I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna have a long day trying to figure out what just happened because I just looked at a name of, or no, a list of names, and I could not say any of them. I'm like, that's happened before. I, I had some um, co- concussions when I was in high uh-huh. school. And that would happen. Nice. Like I nice. like you could, can't say anything. I haven't had this yeah. feeling since then. And I'm not really sure. Like 
if that like came back or something, but that was a weird thing that happened. Um, oh yeah, we who's, found who's a on glitch the in your system. Broncos, Broncos at nine, baby. Oh wow, Broncos at nine, and oh. all the top wide receivers are left on the board. That's the doomsday. It's somewhat scenario. devastating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Lance that's another game. Them. Lance going before them. That's another thing I said, you know, as you watch the game tonight, Broncos fans think through Mac Jones. Is he worth putting your hopes and dreams on? You might also have to be watching Devontae Smith and say, we've got, we've got three top 50 wide receivers on this team already. Could you imagine. Holy cow. But is Devontae Smith so good? We go full on Matt Millen Lions and we just say, screw it. We're taking Devontae Smith or we're taking Jamar Chase or we're taking Jalen Waddle. Oh, man, it's a tough choice, but uh, it's wide open. You could go offensive line. You could go corner. Caleb Farley is still left. Um, Quiddy Pay, Gregory Russo, those kind of edge rushers are still around. JOK, who, of course, is who. ESPN and the latest Todd McShay mock draft had the Broncos taking at nine and has been a favorite at mine at this pick. Um, if I may be honest, I am quite bummed that we had Trey Lance go just a pick ahead. Yeah, I'm with you. Because um, I, I keep wanna... selling myself more and more on him. I think his wide receivers didn't do him justice, though we talk about how uh-huh. North Dakota State had the superior talent in every game. That's true. You watch those wide receivers, though. They're not separating a ton. So he's making maybe a little tighter window contested grab passes than you think. And that offense is more, I think it's more of a pro offense than it was even when I was watching them back in the day with um, Carson, you know. Um, and that's probably all related to Craig Bull leaving, you know. Um, did I say that name right, Justin? Now, say like, Craig Bull, the Wyoming coach. Yeah, it's Craig. Okay, yeah. Jesus Christ, Henry. Like, we're gonna have to be hospitalized once the draft's done. We need to go to like a clinic and get our brains examined because these podcasts have made us like name blind now, and it Seriously. is terrifying. <laughs> <Seriously>. um, <laughs> <laughs> Any scientists out there? Uh, we need you to test our brains, please. We beg you. As Henry and I try to regroup, though, in general, and I am sad about Trey Lance, what do we do at this pick? Uh, Jake and Justin, help us out here. Give us some direction, please. So I'm down to two guys. Um, One that I think fills a need and would actually make the most sense in the spot would be Rousseau. Um, Mm. I think he can be more versatile than an edge player just with how outrageously long and big he is. Uh, we've already talked about, he's going to grow into his body. He's only 20 years old. So he's someone that is going to offer that versatility along the defensive line. And I mean, you had the bookends at edge that we got and you had in Russo, it could really create some problems. But if you go Jalen Waddle here, this receiving core is out of control. I know. And I mean, I know we got Hamler last year. And so there's that speed element, but if you had even more speed on the field, I mean, you can't have enough speed, right? So you take the fastest guy in college football, you add him to Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Uh, I mean, you have a question with Tim Patrick, so maybe that's where you kind of excuse Tim Patrick and let him walk out if, Mm -hmm. you know, you see yourself maybe going for another wide receiver. I don't know. Mm. It's just so hard 
to to get another receiver because yeah. I mean I guess when you look at it Cortland Sutton is an NFL receiver and he's going to be like a good option for the Broncos forever I am sold on Cortland Sutton behind that oh. though you know are Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler both going to be productive NFL receivers and I I think that they both will if that's the case, then you're just saying like, we're going to have a good receiver on the bench. But if you say like the odds say you're, you're taking a third receiver, odds are one of them won't pan out because that's how the NFL draft goes. I think that that has to be the thought process. If you're going to have a receiver um, at this point, the thing is, you know, we have talked about how there aren't like these big holes that the Broncos need to fill you know, like with the yeah. offensive line, you pretty much have like guys who should be playing this season. Even if they aren't great at what they do, you're putting a good player on the pine if you're bringing in somebody else to replace them. That's kind of the case any, but anywhere on this roster. So you definitely could get a receiver if you want to. I'd still probably go after a, a JOK or a, even a Caleb Farley. I think I might go Farley here yeah. um, before mm-hmm. I take one of these receivers just because there are opportunities to get receivers later anyway. I don't think you can spend another top 100 pick on a receiver this year. Is it too early Justin? to be talking Darisaw? Mm. No. No. I know. Darisaw, JOK. Yeah. I, don't, I, I think there's a lot of appeal in trying to improve that offensive line. I know there's a couple of guys we like too in um, Elijah Vera Tucker and Jalen Mayfield, guys that you could maybe get a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Mayfield in particular, he's only a redshirt sophomore, but at 6'5", 319, that's a really nice frame. Yeah. I'm really intrigued by JOK. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's not like the flashiest pick in the world, but I'm just going to keep using this same logic when you have a top 10 pick, don't mess it up you gamble when you have to right, Broncos yep. aren't in that position get somebody that immediately makes this roster better to me that's improving the depth of tackle that's adding someone like JOK or Russo or maybe it's you know taking a flyer on Farley I, I don't fairly Farley I'm not a thousand percent sure that I'm you know sold on him like I am with certain uh, but yeah at, at the end of the day you it's a it's an area of need and one that makes more sense than wide receiver Though it kills me to say because the thought of Jalen Waddle and Jerry Judy in the Broncos uniform, very, very intriguing. I mean, if it works out this way, trade down's got to be the answer, right? Yeah. If you can get a trade yeah. partner, yeah. which is the, I mean, you need two to tango. So, yeah. But, but there's but, just so many options here. Quarterback, wide receiver, something. tackle, needy teams should be willing to trade up with Mac yes. Jones, the top three wideouts, and OT2 still available on the board. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, somebody, God, somebody will give you an come opportunity to, a consensus. To, to trade down. You know, like, like even if nobody's in love with these guys, like, even if it's somebody, like, who knows? The, the, chargers at thick or at, at 13 i do think yeah. like even if they just say like we will give you a sixth round pick i, I would take that to trade down just because i, I really don't have like i don't care no if way, it's dude there's precedent you you can't yeah, trade yeah. down just to trade down 
I mean, I agree. I, I to me though, I, at this point, if I you, see if, if you're moving up like two spots in the first round, that's like you better be giving up a second or a third on top of the NFL's proven that we've seen it every year. Oh yeah, so somebody will offer it, but and you just take the best option because at this point though, like seriously, I do not care whether it's Farley or one of these receivers. I really like them all. I, I like JOK. I like if you wanted to go Darisaw, one of those guys, like, I just think that this is a really terrible situation that the Broncos would find themselves in. How low are you willing to trade down guys? Like at what point is it not a win anymore? Like, or or maybe not necessarily, I shouldn't phrase it that way, but at what point are you less excited about the possibility of trading down? Like, like they trade down to like 20 or something like that. Are, are you freaking out at that point? Or if they add a bunch of draft draft capitals, like, all right, we'll exactly. just see how this works. If the compensation is fair, I'm, I'm fine with dropping even to 20. I was going to say 2025 20, is probably about yeah, as yeah. low as they could go without me feeling like, ah, uh, man. We're, 15 we're is where out. I would feel the most comfortable. I think just at that point, you can still land a guy that mm-hmm. probably should have gone in the top 10, but slipped. You know, whether it's one of those like a Jalen Waddle type or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, you land him at 15, then you right. come back, you take one of these tackles at the end of the round or second totally. round, you know, whoever you're able to pick up there. I don't know. I, I guess I came in kind of hot, but now I'm now I think Hank convinced me. So good job. Yeah, because, you know, like if we move down to the 20s, I'm assuming you're at least getting a second and a third. Yeah. On top of that first think, to move right? down 11 spots. So yeah. shoot, I'll take that in a draft like this. I'll take that with the depth at wide receiver, running back tackle um, or a future first, which again, sign me up. Um, I'm happy to take that compensation either way. So, okay. Round the clock. Cause gun to my head. If I wasn't going quarterback, I'd go Gregory Russo. Um, plain and simple. He's in the rotation next year, and maybe in two years we go to a four-man front. He takes over as the right DN for Vaughn. It's a different front, but we make it work, you know. Um, but truth be told, gun to my head, today, December, uh, January 11th, 2021, I would go Mac Jones with this pick with how the board fell wow. um, in lieu of trading down. So with that, I will also give you who my ideal target in the early second would be at this pick. And at this point, I believe I would go. Mm, Javon Holland, the safety nickel defender from Oregon who held out. I think that's what I'd go. Mac Jones, Javon Holland. That'd be my one-two combo. And we will do a special episode on just trade-down options because I could have opened that question as well. That'll add another 20 minutes to the podcast. We're not doing that today, but there you go. Mac Jones, Javon Holland, it was tough. That's my one-two combo. Jake, who would your one-two punch be at this point? So I would go in this spot in the first round, Rousseau. I just don't think that you pass on humans big and athletic, um, especially in the top 10 here. Yeah. I know that edge isn't necessarily a need, mm-hmm. but I really struggle to see Rousseau as just a pure edge. I think he's going to be a lot more versatile in that. So I think mm-hmm. that he really has some value down the line. In the second round, I think you have to look at some of these linebackers, particularly uh, Dylan Moses and Nick Bolton. Those are some intriguing options. Mm-hmm. Um, interior line's got some depth around this spot as well. 
cornerback too. Uh, it's got to be a defensive pick, I think, though, either cornerback or linebacker. Uh, for the sake of picking someone, I'm going to say Darian Kendrick. Nice. Like that. Like that one-two combo. Um, Justin, what would you do? Uh, I think I think I'd probably go Russo just based on, you know, the same logic. Like, how do you miss with a guy like that at some point? He's such a freak athletically, so much size. He's really young. That's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also, you know, I'd have no beef with taking a guy like JOK or Farley. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the second round goes, I think, you know, if, if you do go defense in the first round, I think you try and hope that one of these tackles falls. I'm not sure, you know, maybe yeah. it's the, maybe it's the guy out of Michigan or, you know, yeah. Mayfield out of Michigan, maybe Elijah Vera Tucker. Maybe Cosme or the North Dakota state kid. Yeah. Some I, just, I think you're going to have some options there. Yeah. I also really like Dylan Moses, man. He's, I know he's a Bama yeah. guy and sure. you know, I'm always talking about the Bama guys, but he's, he's underrated. And I think he's going to make a really solid next level player. Somebody. I, I could really see them adding him. And I think he'd be an immediate upgrade with what we have at interior linebacker. Hank. What would yeah. you do here? I mean, JOK, I really like him. And JOK is fun. Part of the reason why is because he's like a hitter. Like so many of those guys who are kind of hybrid players, you want him mm-hmm. in the box, or maybe sometimes you move him outside and, and you really like the, the way that they move or the they can cover and those sorts of things. And, and what gets lost is just an ability to put guys on their back. And, and yep. to have a linebacker who is a, a bigger hitter than a Josie Jewell, a bigger hitter than a, an Alexander Johnson, that's that's a pretty clear upgrade, at least in one way to me, um, with JOK, on top of all the other things he, do, he does. And I think that that physicality makes me comfortable taking the risk. And then the other guy I'm really considering is uh, Russo, just because he's another guy mm-hmm. who just has like the, the body type, and the athleticism that, that makes you think that he could be a really special kind of player. Um, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Russo. I'll go Russo just because he is such a freak. Wow. We do have a consensus in the end. Yeah. Let's go with it. And then who's your second rounder. If you went edge in the first, mm. who would you be targeting in the second? Um, I'm definitely looking at Asante Samuel jr. Uh, mm-hmm. I I've only no. watched a little bit of him, but from what I've seen, no. like, again, just moves really well, good size, um, you like very that. physical. And again, the pedigree, which I think for cornerbacks is uh, something that I will really okay. put a lot of stock in. Um, not something that's going to make him a first rounder instead of a second rounder, sure. but something that's going to be in my mind. Feels yeah. the old Sante Samuel jr. Going to yeah. be in the NFL. I remember, do you guys remember, God, it probably would have had to have been like 2004. He was on the Patriots, Asante Samuel, and he just murked. I think it was Jeb Poutier, maybe. It was it was one of those random tight ends that the Broncos had during then, but like straight up knocked him out. I don't remember that specifically, but I remember Asante Samuel being a pretty nasty football player. He was good for a while. Speaking of bloodlines, how insanely good has Antoine Winfield Jr. been? Yeah. Yeah. As a rookie, that kid has been amazing. Javon Holland, not quite that kind of um, instincts, but he's a dude who I think could translate similarly. That's why I have, he has me excited. And second round, none of us mentioned it. 
but we're looking at running backs as well. We're Absolutely. starting to consider running backs in that day two range as well. There's a lot of good ones. Fellas, that was fun. I can't wait for this natty. Um, everyone enjoy that. Best of luck with your bets and everything. Um, Henry, we're done with shout outs, right? Um, let me double check. So. There might be one more. Um, yep, a lot on one more. Uh, young Hank's mind okay uh kick us out with that and All uh right we'll be back we're doing a second one this fellas Absolutely. special two draft episode week because this is just this is just a bonus for you so there you go tune in to that. hit us with some questions um hank let's close it out with a nice little shout out here Strava Craft Coffee is incredible coffee. It's CBD infused coffee, which means that you get all of the benefits that coffee gives you with the caffeine and the it'll help you wake out, wake up, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but with Strava Craft Coffee, you also get the positive effects of CBD, um, which means it, it will help with back pain or anxiety, all sorts of different things like that. Uh, so check that out. And honestly, I think it might be about time for me to check out some CBD infused Strava craft coffee um, mm -hmm. to see if maybe I will like learn the, what seems like 2000 words that I have forgotten during today's show. Um, <laughs> nice. The best part about Strava craft coffee is you can try it using the code DMVR 20 and save 20% off your first uh, order. It's a great deal. Make sure you don't miss it. Um, and if you really like it, then you can get your Strava Craft, Strava Craft coffee uh, every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, and you'll get 20% off any product that you subscribe to, um, whether it's the K-Cups or the grounds or the beans or whatever. Um, it's a great deal. You'll get 20% off every single time. Um, and so take advantage of that deal because Strava makes all the things that we do possible and supporting them is supporting all of us at DMVR. Booyah. There you go. Tune in uh, end of the week. We'll have more fun draft stuff for you. So thanks for tuning in. Best of luck on the natty. Bye.